0: sound right, boy. All right.
1: Will, thank you so much for coming on Costly Conversations. Um, as you have probably seen, I go by Atlas. You go by I Run and Gun. Um, really excited to get this conversation going. A friend of mine referred me to you, said, hey, I want to see some content from the I Run and Gun guy. And I'm like, who is that guy? I've never <laughs> seen him. And then right. once I found you, I didn't stop seeing you on all the pages that I'm in. It's like, where did this guy come from? <laughs> so yeah, tell me man. a little bit about yourself, man. Like what, what do you do? Like, how did you kind of get on the map of, I guess, Instagram and um, more than just that, like, why are you into guns?
0: Oh, uh, good question, man. Thanks for having me first and, and foremost. absolutely. Um, It kind of happened almost by accident. I've, uh, since what, about 2001, I've been either, coaching teaching or been in personal training i've been working with people kind of in a close setting since then so that kind of is my natural space that feels like home for me Mm. um and it kind of started selfishly i guess i started posting videos online just to get feedback from shooters that i knew were better than me Mm. and i was like you know what i'm just gonna step out there i'm gonna put some content out I know some people are gonna go in on me. They're gonna roast me. That's fine. I can take it. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll still be able to get some feedback from people that you know I trust their and you know value their input. Um, so that's really how it started with me just kind of posting online, and then I needed another Instagram page that was a little different than the one I was using. Right. Um, and I ran track and cross country in high school, and then also in college, and then I coached college track. So running has kind of been my. My place that I go is to seek refuge, you know, when I'm stressed yeah. or I need to recharge, you know, get my mind off things. So I just named the page I run and gun. And it All was right. kind of a a double meaning as you know, in the gun community, running a gun is kind of like yeah. shooting dynamically, but it's literally I run and gun, because I also, you know, do some well, it's more jogging now because I'm old, but <laughs> <laughs> I do some running, right? Hey man, black don't crack. <laughs> True <laughs> indeed yeah man (laughs) um so that's That's kind of how that started and then i just been uh you know people started reaching out to me for help and then i was like you know what i might as well just go ahead and become an instructor and then kind of go down that route because i enjoy working with people anyway so it's kind of a natural progression for that to happen
1: yeah yeah well i'm i'm really excited to to have this conversation because you know i've seen that you know you're actually kind of deep in it uh you'd be my first competition shooter uh actually featured on the channel i had some guys scheduled for later in the month and you know it just came up that you had availability today so first competition shooter um what is uh for those you know because we have a lot of people who literally never shot a gun before who watch these videos um which to me i'm like really you've never shot but you know you have to start somewhere can you kind of like walk somebody through the what what in the world is competition shooting why would you do that like what
0: what does it do for you oh man good question Um, so composition shooting, I guess I should say there's, there's three major sports. Um, Mm -hmm. so a lot of people think when they think competition, it's just a competition. Everybody brings their gun and you just shoot the same thing, but it's a little different. So there's steel challenge, which is essentially a bunch. It's an array of steel uh, targets and you'll Mm -hmm. shoot that array. I think it's five times. I've only done it once. I think you shoot it five times and they'll throw out the, the work your slowest time and then they'll add up your remaining time. You'll do that over five different stages and that's how they score you. Um, But 99% of it is just standing still. There's only one course of fire that um, requires you to move. And then then you're only moving six feet to another box to your right or left. So it's not a lot of movement. Um, And then from there, you go to IDPA, where there's more movement and the stages aren't standardized like they are in Steel Challenge, where Steel Challenge stages are the same. You can't make up your own. Mm -hmm. Um, IDPA, which is the International Defensive Pistol Association, you can... Uh, make up your own stages. So you go through a course of fire, essentially.
1: Yeah,
0: um, And then from there, there's USPSA, which is the most dynamic of the three, which is where most of the high-level shooters are. Some of them double in, in IDPA. Um, mm-hmm. You're going to find the stiffest competition in USPSA, which is like, it's pretty much like a puzzle, and they just say, solve it. Um, there's more, the higher round counts on the stages in IDPA, the stages tend to be a little more complex, and it's pretty much about going fast. Yeah. Um, so it's just speed, speed and accuracy is always important. Um, but just like any sport, which there are sports, you have different divisions and each the, each sport has its own rules. And then within each sport, there are divisions that have their own rules as far as the type of gun you can use, the type of accessories you can put on your gun or modifications that you can do or even like where you can have your gun on your body as far as your holster mm-hmm. and your magazines are concerned or they might limit how many rounds your magazine can hold or the size of your magazine so there's a bunch of limitations on each which is why i always tell people if you're going to start shooting competition don't run out and buy a gun shoot what you have figure out what sport and which division you're going to spend most of your time in and then focus on that because you can buy a gun and suddenly it's illegal for the sport that you want to shoot
1: yeah and then you've spent shoot i've i've seen some race guns cost upwards of 2k just And those aren't even the really, really nice ones. They're just kind of (laughs) nice.
0: Yeah, those are the the inexpensive ones.
1: (laughs) True indeed. I've seen, you know, somebody uh, was telling me that there was a shooting competition and two guys left. And some guys actually followed them and broke into their car and stole, like, each of them had, like, $3,000 guns. And, you know, kind of a sad story. But um, I was like, dang, you lost a $3,000 gun. I know, right? Didn't lose it. Didn't lose it. It was stolen
0: stolen but still
1: it's yeah. gone man I'd, I'd be scared as heck to try to steal something from somebody with guns who knows how to use guns. <laughs> right
0: that's <laughs> like, not the what? type of person you
1: want to pick <laughs> wow like kind of have a death wish i'm like <laughs>
0: yeah oh, man. and a competition shooter at that so you know it's like <laughs> they're, not,
1: they're not some scrubs who just picked up a gun that's for the first time like they they do this this is what they do uh that said uh how long have you been shooting
0: Oh, man. Um, overall, since 99, I bought my first gun because of the uncertainty of the Y2K situation for oh, those of you that are old enough. <laughs> right okay. now, I got my first gun, man. But I, I kind of was like the average gun, sh- gun owner at that point. I barely ever shot, you know, a couple times a year. And then maybe about six years ago, I said, I've been in back in Delaware for four years. So maybe about six years ago, I started going literally every week, once to twice a week religiously, and it kind of started building from there.
1: Wow. Okay. Okay. And um, what, what was that first gun, if you remember?
0: Glock 21C. I had no business buying a 45. I didn't know the difference between 45, 9, 40, or what have you. Mm-hmm. I just, from the limited quote unquote research that I did, it was my understanding that Glocks were reliable. And that was a big thing for me. Um, and that's what I rolled with.
1: I think uh, that might have been, at least that caliber was the first uh Glock that I actually ever shot, the first handgun that I've ever shot. Okay, it was a lot. I'm I'm kind of surprised it didn't scare me away from shooting.
0: <laughs> right. it was just
1: it was just a lot of bang. But yeah. you know what? Uh, my personal story is I shot that, and then I shot. My wife was shooting a 22, and I was like, "Oh, this is interesting." But the rounds are so small, and it's hard to get them in the mag. Right. So I, you know, I came back the next time and the next time and settled on a Glock 19. That's just kind of my favorite. Um, but speaking on that. What do you uh, what are you currently racing with?
0: Um, oh, I have it in my hand. I always have a gun in my hand. So, <laughs> uh, Glock seventeen,
1: Glock seventeen. So yeah. it doesn't look it doesn't look too stock. What have you done with it?
0: Um, well, this one has a Zeb slide on it, mm-hmm. and it has a hollow sun on it. Um, so what really happened? I when I first started, I was using a, a, a Gen four Glock seventeen. This is a five, mm-hmm. um, but that was just a gun that I had for home defense. It wasn't a dedicated, you know competition gun. Uh, yeah. And then I bought a Glock 34, which is the long slide 9mm. Um, but when I ended up switching from an iron-sided uh, division to a uh, division with optic, um, the long slide didn't make sense. And I didn't want to mm. buy a whole nother gun, so I just bought the slide. And this is the, actually the frame for my 34. Mm. And I just swapped the slides out. Um, okay. And then I've been running with this. Um, okay, you know, it looks
1: like... Looks like you you switched out the trigger on it as well. Is that am I seeing that right? Yeah, up? this
0: is actually the new Timney trigger, the new um, Timney trigger that they just came out with for Glock. So yeah, they just released them. They went on sale March first, and then they started shipping on March fifteenth. So these are like hot off the presses for Gen fives.
1: Yeah, I, I imagine you've gotten a chance to run it yet, or have you just been About eighty,
0: rounds. 80 yeah. rounds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How's was it? The, the break is phenomenal. I don't. You probably won't be able to tell. Obviously, where is my camera? Right um, there. but the break is super short Ooh, and crisp, crispy. but the reset is, is, uh, so the reset off. took a step back. So I'm not All happy right. with the reset, but the break itself is, is crazy Okay, compared okay. to a clock. I mean, it's not going to be like a CZ or anything.
1: Well, for those, for those who really have never shot a gun before, can you kind of maybe explain the importance of the, the break and the trigger?
0: Sure. Sure. Um, so with the trigger, having a quote unquote better trigger. Um, it's not going to make you a better shooter. Um, mm-hmm. It makes it easier to be accurate, meaning your fundamentals don't have to be as strong. And I don't want to ever say that those aren't important, um, but it makes it makes it a little easier um, for your fen- fundamentals to be strong. So what happens with your trigger is they're, they're measured in weight, right? Usually in pounds. So this is a three and a half pound trigger, mm-hmm. which means you have to put three and a half pounds of force in it for the gun to fire. Um, The problem that you typically have is that your gun is not three and a half pounds. So you actually have to put more force into the trigger than what the gun weighs, which means it's really easy to move the gun while you're pressing the trigger. Mm -hmm. And the number one reason why people miss is because while they're pressing the trigger, they move the gun. Mm -hmm. So having a lighter, shorter trigger just makes it easier for you to be accurate, but it doesn't guarantee anything.
1: Yeah. I was um, helping a guy get ready for his um, license to carry course down here in Texas and he was, we were trying to help him to, to stop overcorrecting on his, uh, well, not overcorrecting, but kind of shooting down into to the left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I, I suppose if he were to, to listen to this to this show, what would you tell him to kind of help him to stop shooting more to the left?
0: Yeah, and that's a common occurrence for right-handed shooters. And then left-handed mm-hmm. shooters, when they have the same issues, it's down and to the right. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of things are happening. Um, so as you're pulling the trigger, if you pull the trigger, like I guess you can imagine a laser beam coming out of your dominant eye, whichever eye that is,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that laser beam should, if you have iron sights to go you know through the notch in your rear sight and through the front sight. If you have a dot, it'll go through the center of the window and through the dot, excuse me, and into your target. Um so when you're pressing your trigger, your trigger should be pressed along that line. All right. Mm -hmm. If you do anything with your trigger finger that is outside of that line, whether it's pushing the gun to the left, which is a common thing for right-handed shooters, or healing where you make the, the front of the gun lift because you're increasing your grip pressure at the last second, or a number of things, you can shift the muzzle, which will shift your target. So when you look at your target, if you see a bullet that's down to the left, that means the muzzle or the gun was pointed down to the left when it fired. Mm-hmm. So sometime between when you were lining your sights up, when the gun actually went off, you pushed it down into the left. Um, so usually just making sure your trigger is coming straight back. Um, and you can cheat that a little bit, which is giving more pressure with your support hand. Um, so for those right-handed shooters that are shooting down to the left, crush the gun a lot harder, like as hard as you can with your left hand. And that'll make it harder for your finger to push the gun left because you have your entire mm-hmm. left hand keeping the gun still. Um, or vice versa. If you're, yeah, a lefty.
1: yeah somebody, Somebody online, because you know we watch a lot of online YouTube shooting stuff. I'm, I'm sure you've mm-hmm. seen your fair share. Said kind of to roll into it, and I'm like, I've never, I've never done that. Rolled, rolled my palm into the gun. But c- can you, can you validate that, or have you ever done that, or is that just?
0: Yeah, that? and and like a lot of things, there's a number of ways to do it. There's no like the way. Mm-hmm. Um, But what you can do is like if you take your left arm and just lifting your elbow alone, bringing your elbow up higher will cause your wrist to move in and and kind of this meaty part of your palm to push Mm -hmm. against the side of the frame. Um, So that can assist and prevent the gun from being pushed to the left. Um, So that's definitely a technique that you can that you can employ to, you know, limit the chances of it going left. As far as it going low, that's normally means your wrist is your wrist is breaking. So either you're snatching the trigger and when you pull the trigger back abruptly, you're causing the gun to dip. Mm -hmm. Um, But what you want to do is lock your wrist. Almost like if we were to shake hands, right? Mm -hmm. And so imagine we're shaking hands and I will leave my wrist relaxed and you can move my wrist up and down, right? So if I were to shake your hand and lock my wrist and you try to move my wrist and you can't, that's the way you should be shooting a gun. So you should have your wrist locked. And in that way, whatever you're doing with your trigger Whatever the gun tries to recoil, there's less likely for it to move because your wrist isn't going up and down. The gun won't go low if your wrist doesn't break.
1: There you go. I appreciate you giving the audience a little lesson and uh, you know trying to improve that accuracy. Instead no. of saying the gun's not accurate, well, no, 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 it's, yeah. it's you and your wrist. It's right. you on the wrist.
0: And <laughs> and the my finger. spikes are off. <laughs> yeah. well, are they? Right. Are
1: they? <laughs> I, I just shot it and it shoots just fine. So, right. All right. <laughs> oh, so I, I don't want to break down your entire gun, but I did notice you have some—is it, is it a, some grip tape or is that a stipple job? What is that?
0: Um, this is silicone carbide. Um, so it's pretty much like sandpaper,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but it's just permanently attached. So okay. as opposed to, you know, like uh what are they, Talon grips, mm-hmm. which pretty much pre pre uh, pre-cut sheets of sandpaper that will go around the gun. This is a similar thing, but this lasts a little longer. Um and but it doesn't come off. You have to okay. sand it off.
1: Well, um, so this is common in
0: competition that? shooting.
1: What do you say? What's the benefit of having that for you?
0: It's really rough, so it's less likely for the gun to to slide in your hands, even on mm. hot days when your hands are sweaty. Um, mm. This is so aggressive that it's not going to move. Now, if you're not used to that, it might tear your hands up. Yeah. Um, now, is that definitely not gun? for concealed carry. No, okay. I wouldn't carry this at all because this material would end up, um, if you're doing any reps with it, it would eventually wear a hole in your shirt.
1: Mm. That that just sounds painful yeah there there are days where i'll I'll carry appendix and i'll just you know you know no undershirt and i'm just kind of going with it that said man to have that rubbing against your stomach or something oh man yeah
0: you wouldn't want this at all yeah it would be a bad day
1: so (laughs) for a competition do you carry that three o'clock or how do you how do you draw Uh,
0: now the rules have changed so i'm trying to figure that out um Typically for the division that I, I'm in, you had to have the gun had to be behind the crest of your hip bone. Um, so it couldn't be forward of that. Now they've mm-hmm. taken that away and you could have an appendix or wherever if you want. Um, but I don't think I'm really going to move it much, but there will be some competitions that I'm going to do now since it's legal. I'm going to do it from concealment and appendix position where I'll have to defeat my cover garment and grab my pistol and, um, you know, start shooting from that position. Yeah but so yeah, it's common yeah. to be just strong side for most people. There you go. And you're a right-handed shooter. Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay. Now, now have you, have you won any competitions or do how do you, how do you feel like you, you do when you, when you go in?
0: Um, I've gotten first in my division. I've never won the overall I'm, so in comp- well in USPSA, which is my favorite sport, there's a ranking okay. system. Sure. So the highest level is GM or Grandmaster. Those mm-hmm. are the best shooters technically in the world. Like with that and I.S.P.S.A. those are phenomenal. These are the type of people that, at least the higher level of those people, that you'll have special forces units and other military units will pay them to teach them how to shoot their guns better, right? These are phenomenal shooters. And then under that, you have M, which is master. And then you have A class and B. So I'm B right now. I've beaten mm-hmm. I've beaten up on some A's, but mm-hmm. as far as like the ranking system that they have, where they have like stages that are classifiers, like little tests. Mm-hmm. Um so in that ranking system, I'm a B shooter.
1: Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Well, you know, congratulations on uh kind of getting those victories where you can, you know.
0: Indeed. Like
1: uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not every day you can beat people who are technically better than you, right? I mean right. but are they? Are they?
0: Right, right, right. <laughs>
1: all right <laughs> oh, definitely let me get this uh next question no problem. Mm-hmm. so i know one thing that's super important to you is not just the idea but actually getting trained and obviously in today's climate uh the things that have happened within the recent weeks um in fact at the time of recording this this past monday there was a a mass shooting uh in boulder colorado obviously our hearts are with you know the injured their families um you know those who those who were lost you know we we're grieving it's it's a serious situation um the conversation of guns has come up we we might touch on that later that (laughs) said A lot of people in the gun community have been saying, well, this is why we need training. This is why we need more guns. This is this and that. I know you are a big advocate for properly getting trained. And obviously in the black community, um, that's not, it's not something that's widespread. Um, the, the knowledge and the understanding of how to actually be good. There are some guns out there, but even, even a lot of the guns that are sitting in a lockbox in somebody's house, they're not being used. What would you say? What would you say in regards to that issue? What's on your heart?
0: Oh, man, it's huge. Um, First and foremost, just from a safety uh, standpoint, just so you don't Mm -hmm. harm yourself or someone else that you care about by, quote unquote, mistake or being negligent. Um, Before I started getting training, I came home from work one night, maybe two o'clock in the morning. I had my Glock 21. I was messing around with it. And I had my pinky near the barrel. Luckily, it wasn't in front of the barrel. Not being trained, not knowing what I'm doing. I had the gun loaded, pulled the trigger, bang. In my living room, of course, the gun did what it was supposed to do. The gun didn't do anything wrong. It's supposed mm-hmm. to go off when you pull the trigger and there's a round in the chamber, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, luckily, the round hit. I had a really old, uh, like, end table um, that I got from my grandmother, and it was real thick wood. Like, this is real mm-hmm. wood. not None of that IKEA stuff. This was real, yeah. you know, this was lumber, right? Yeah. Um, so it stopped around because I lived at that point, I was at Wilmington in Delaware and I lived directly across the street from a park. People are always playing basketball and the round could have easily gone out the window, you know, it would have been a bad day. Right. Right. In and in a number of levels. Um, so that kind of woke me up a little bit. And then, you know, down the road a little bit, I started getting, you know, I took a safety course and things like that. Um, so number one, just from a safety standpoint, because you don't know what you don't know. And I always, call shooting a sport right Mm -hmm. and if you go play let's say you've never played basketball in your life you've barely seen it because it's kind of obscure you know you might have it on tv but you know movies half the time the stuff that they show you is not real yeah you can't expect to go play a brand new sport and understand it from any standpoint and definitely not going to expect to be good unless you have someone show you the way right exactly the best athletes on the planet all have coaches Mm-hmm. they all go through camps and everything to get training you know so shooting is one of those things where it's weird people buy the gun and feel like that's it that's all you need even when you get a car you learn how to drive it someone shows you how to drive it mm-hmm. um, but guns for some reason people don't feel the same way they feel like as soon as they bought it like all right i have it i know how to shoot um you know they feel like as long as you can put it in your hand and kind of get it in the general direction of someone that yeah. that's enough but that's yeah. not even close to being that enough
1: uh, and in pure example we were out uh doing the basically trying to help uh help my friend get through the um his license to carry course so we're 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 taking some shots we're we're kind of simulating what he would go through and mm-hmm. so we do the five yards the uh seven yards and i believe it's ten or was it fifteen not i can't remember right now that said you know five yards we're hitting we're hitting everything but when we got to seven yards and you know ten or ten or fifteen
0: mm-hmm.
1: We're not hitting, maybe yeah. we'll hit one in, in 15. And at that point, if you have an assailant, if you have a situation, you know, active shooter, even even just practicing, like, one in 15 okay. is bad. It's really, really All right. bad. All right. Yeah. And not to say anything against, obviously, someone who's kind of newer to to shooting uh, more seriously, because, you know, you're supposed to be bad at the beginning like this. Yep. If if you're gifted, you're gifted. (laughs) That said, um, I have seen a lot of folks who, you know, they claim to be shooters. They claim to be, be, you know, competent, yet we're still struggling and that's okay, but you have to understand what we have to do next, which you're a big advocate of actually getting training. So what kind of training do you, do you prefer? And now are you talking like classes, group settings, one-on-one, Internet training, what do you? What are you, what are you interested in?
0: Um, for me, I like all of it, but I like being in the class, um, group and one-on-ones. For me personally, being in a group, there might be a question that someone else asked that I wouldn't have thought to ask. So there's opportunities to learn. And also the, the instructor might be helping the shooter next to me with whatever technique. And maybe it's not an issue I have. Maybe I have different issues, but it still will allow me as an instructor, especially to learn maybe this instructor communicates this technique differently than I do. Maybe we're saying the same thing, but just the way that they worded it made it Mm -hmm. easier for that student to understand what he was trying to get them to do. Um, So there's always a number of levels of learning, whether it's a a technique or just how to communicate something. Um, For other people, I think it's important to, you can learn stuff online without question. I've learned a ton online. I've been lying if I said I didn't. Um, But there are some things that you need to get your hands on. Like grip is one of those things that's really hard to teach a brand new shooter grip Mm -hmm. unless you get your hands on them. Once they have a really, really good understanding of grip, you know, there's 30,000 ways to grip a pistol. Um, They can change it and kind of, you know, I've changed my grip over the years, but that's Mm -hmm. because I understood the foundation of gripping a pistol. Then I can make changes. But if you don't understand that, that's something someone has to get their hands on you and physically move your hands and show you why. You have to put leverage on certain parts of the gun versus other because grabbing a gun, nothing about shooting a gun is natural. Yeah. Nothing at all. The way you grab it, moving one finger independently of your other fingers is not natural. Your hands want to work together. Mm-hmm. Having something explode, you know, a foot or two from your face is not natural. The natural inclination is to get it away from yourself, it's to right. blink, the or whatever. So nothing about shooting a pistol is, or a rifle or any kind of gun is natural. Yeah.
1: Oh. So let's, let's talk really honestly about uh, how often somebody should actually shoot because I've heard a lot of different things a lot of different guys have their opinions Um, and just based on your experience I'm going to ask for your opinion and of course let's just try to be reasonable how often should somebody actually practice uh, actually hitting the range I mean people will say dry fire every day or dry fire often and get so many hours in during the week but how often should somebody actually be hitting the range? Live rounds are coming out the gun. You know, they're hearing bang. How often?
0: Right. Um, I'm going to say a minimum of once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the newer you are, the more you need to get live rounds down range. As mm-hmm. you start to progress, live, live fire is always important. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can supplement with dry fire. So the way that I look at it, I look at dry fire as being, you're studying for a test, you're studying, mm-hmm. you're preparing, you're working on whatever it is, calculus or whatever it is, right. You're learning how to solve these problems. And then when you go to the range, you want to confirm whatever you were working on dry fire is actually working. So you're taking the test, right? And once you take that test, you can say, all right, so this was working, or maybe I still need to work on, you know, I got these kind of problems wrong. I didn't do well in subtraction. I didn't do well in multiplication let me go back and study that more, right? So that's yeah. kind of how the way that I look at it. Um, minimum once a month for live fire is enough if you're not only dry firing, but you're dry firing with a purpose. So just grabbing your pistol and taking it out of the holster or pressing the trigger a thousand times is not enough. You need to be drilling certain things with uh, with a desire to improve a specific aspect of whatever it is with your shooting. Yeah. Um, especially when it comes to guns, because there's a million things. There's your grip, there's sight alignment, um, your index, there might be movement. There's a thousand things going on. And sometimes people will try to practice everything at once instead of really kind of drilling down to one small thing. If you watch football players practice, they might do one thing where they're just learning how to flip their hips at their corner, right? Mm-hmm. Or there might be another drill where they're just catching the ball. They're not doing a lot of running. They might be on the judging machine and just catching the ball in different positions. So you don't have to run a full route over like, sports you don't they don't play a full football game every time they go to football practice right right they break each other up and you know and they do specific drills that are 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 specific to their to their position and shooting is no different so work on your draw and when you're working on your draw focus on your draw work on your presentation when you're doing that work on your presentation now there are drills where you can put all that together but most of it should be like what i call micro drills where you're working on a small aspect of your shooting and you're going to get more bang for your buck when you do that
1: yeah. Speaking of presentation, I actually maybe two or three big range days ago, I was hanging out with some shooters. Um who, you know, they were just trying to hit the plates, you know, have a good time. Everybody loves the plates. Yeah,
0: and, absolutely.
1: I mean, it's just a little uh uh what do they call that? <laughs> I don't even remember what it's called. That said, um I noticed somebody had like a weird presentation, like just the the way they were pushing the gun out just it seemed counterintuitive to what they were trying to accomplish. And okay. kind of as a result, they were, they were missing. Uh, you can have a bad presentation and make some corrections, but if you're going to be quick about it, how would, you, can you actually demonstrate what a, a proper presentation should look like for anybody who's maybe, maybe a little newer, trying to get into it? nothing crazy, just kind of just a presentation. Could you, would you demonstrate? Yeah. I
0: don't know. If, let me try to, I don't know how much it's going to be. Yeah, I guess that's close,
1: right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you're not familiar, presentation is essentially getting the gun from wherever it was off a target to being on target. So if you're shooting iron sights, you're getting equal height, equal light. Um, if you're shooting a dot, you're, you know, your target focusing, you're getting the dot at the center of your target. Um, so pretty much from here to here would be my presentation. Um, if you've been doing that a lot, you'll be able to do that. One, you don't want to move your body so much. You want to bring the gun to your eye. Um, Good thing to do is to make sure you know what eye is your dominant eye, your right eye Mm -hmm. or your left. There's going to be one. So you don't you're shooting with both eyes open, but you don't line the gun up in the center of your forehead. You line the gun up in front of your dominant eye. So I'm right Mm -hmm. eye dominant. So I bring the gun in front of my right eye in my line of sight from my right eye. Um, So the goal is to, as you present, you should be able to prep your trigger. So you should be on your wall. And by the time you're at full, I don't say full extension, but as far as your arms come out for your platform, some people do teach full arms locked out. I don't teach that. I teach like Ben, but yeah. once you get your arms all the way out, your trigger should be prepped Meaning you're on the wall. And then if you want to shoot, you can, you know, obviously yeah. things change, right? Um, mm-hmm. But by the time you get that gun out, you should be right on target, which means you should be able to look at almost anything. And then bang, the gun goes right there on it. So I'm looking at a light switch Bang, the gun goes on the light switch. I look at the corner of the wall Gun goes right to the corner of the wall, Um, and just maybe with minimal cleanup. But you might have to adjust your sights just slightly. But you should be really, really close. And that just comes from again and again.
1: That's dry fire.
0: Yep, dry fire is free. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because I mean, if you're doing that again and again with a box of ammo, if you do that a hundred times, you just burn through on a cheap box like forty bucks. So
0: yeah,
1: (laughs) or you could just do it at home.
0: Yep. Yeah, especially the way Uh, ammo is priced now
1: uh it's
0: uh incredible (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's it's just wild
1: that said do you have any like dry fire devices that you use to to kind of help out Uh, obviously there's a mantis i know some people working on some new stuff um or do you just kind of do the good old-fashioned point click i know where i
0: shot i do a little bit of everything um I'm a, I'm a Mantis affiliate, so I'm I'm biased. Full disclosure, um, okay. but I'm not an affiliate because they contacted me to do it. It's I tried it and was like, I should have been doing this from the beginning. Um, For those of you that aren't familiar with the Mantis, it's essentially oh, I took my magazine out. Um, it's essentially an electronic device that goes on your gun. It could be mounted on the bottom of your magazine or on your rail, and it will give you feedback about your shooting. So as it can check your trigger press to see what your muzzle's doing when you're shooting, it can check your recoil. Um, it's a lot of feedback that even myself as an instructor, some of it I can't see. It's such fine movements that mm-hmm. you won't be able to see all of it. Um, so the Mantis system is great um, or just your gun. You don't really need anything. Um, if you're a Glock shooter. Now, this trigger is different because it's the Timney one. Normally, uh, I have one right next to me. But normally with a Glock, if I, if I press the trigger and it clicks, right? So I don't have any rounds there. The trigger will stay back and you can't get another. You won't be able to press it again. Right. Um, you can take a zip tie and just bring your slide slightly out of battery. Put the zip tie into the chamber, and just as long as it's coming out of your chamber, so the so the slide can't go completely home. It's just slightly out of battery. You'll get a trigger mm-hmm. that's like this, and you'll be able to press that infinitely without having to rack the slide again.
1: Really? Yes,
0: yeah, so you can just keep doing that again and again, and that no,
1: will, get- will you get the click, or will you, will it just allow you to go all the way home?
0: Yeah, it won't click. So you won't have a wall. Okay. But once you press it and release it, it'll quote unquote reset. Okay. Um, so if you're doing anything that requires more than one quote unquote shot in dry fire, that's something you can do. Um, I also have a dry fire mag that literally resets the trigger. So you will get a click each time.
1: Really? Yeah, um, I've seen some of those, but I've never really known like how good they actually are. And some of them are kind of expensive. So I'm like, I don't want to yes. pay like 50 to 100 bucks for something that I'm yeah. not even sure about.
0: Yeah, the dry fire mag, when I bought it, was $100. I, I Personally, I don't think it's worth it. Um, it's a little too limited because when you're using it, it won't drop mm-hmm. freaks. So you can't do reloads or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it only shines when you're doing drills that require a bunch of trigger presses. And, and even then, personally, what I do is I have snap caps that are real round. So it's a real projectile, a real casing. They just don't have any gunpowder and they don't have a primer. So they can't ignite. They're inert. Um, But they're basically the same weight as a real round, right? So when I load my practice mags up, my gun is the correct weight that it would be if I have it and it's loaded. When I do reloads, that spare mag is the right weight. But if you have an mm. empty mag and you reload with an empty mag, it's going to feel a thousand times different than when you reload with a mag that has the actual weight of real rounds in it. So you yeah. want to, like they say, practice like you fight, right? Yeah. Um, the dry fire mag is on the light side. So your gun is going to feel lighter than what it normally would. And when you're talking yeah. about transitions and you're drawing everything else, that makes a difference.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you, you don't want the opposite. So you could kind of flow more freely. That said, maybe not because when you're shooting, you, you do want that consistency. Right. Yeah. You know? um, now I know earlier we mentioned pistol and rifle. Do you shoot rifle at all? Or are you just pistol until I die? Like
0: what, what do you do? Yeah. I love pistols. I prefer pistols. Um, pistols mm-hmm. are harder. Um, I think yeah. that's why I like it. Um, but A little bit of a sadist, um, huh? What'd you say? Said? That's said, a little bit of a sadist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm crazy in that way. I like yeah, the challenge. Yeah. Um, but I do enjoy shooting rifles. Um, the, I shot Steel Challenge last weekend for the first time, and I shot my rifle. Um, I shot a rifle on that. I used a 22 conversion so I could shoot 22, but
1: nice, shot a rifle, man. Nice. Obviously, it's a lot cheaper to do that.
0: Can I shoot um, the Cabela's where I am has it sometimes if you catch them, and yeah. it's about five to six cents around most of the time, which oh, isn't bad for you know, that would be oh man, I need to get a conversion kit. How much is a conversion kit? The conversion kit is um, well, pre COVID, they were 199 I oh, mean, it might be it's worth still it. worth it because all you do is swap out, it gives you a, a brand new bolt, and they come with three magazines. Mm-hmm. But the amount of money you're gonna save by shooting 22 versus 223, it's gonna pay for itself if you shoot regularly.
1: Shoot, I mean, I bought a box of uh, 556 the other day. It was like $90 for 200 rounds, and apparently I got a good deal. So I'm like,
0: I don't know. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, because that that actually is a good deal. Yeah. Because now now, that stuff is almost a dollar a round.
1: Somebody needs to pay me back
0: <laughs> everybody
1: else right. okay so you you do shoot pistol you do shoot rifle have you ever um, done any like shotgun competitions obviously there's there's people out there who are like evil geniuses with a shotgun like they're nasty you ever done no. anything like
0: that i haven't no? tried that yet um there's a th- there's three gun which i don't know if you're familiar with three guns so three guns yeah, are a competition yeah. Where, yeah you shoot rifle or ar-15 typically style rifle you shoot a shotgun and a pistol I've wanted to try two-gun, which is the AR platform and the pistol. I'm not mm-hmm. much of a shotgun guy. I understand why they're excellent weapons. I understand all of that. Me, personally, I just don't, just never really yeah. uh, grab my attention to the one. I like, you know, I don't even own one.
1: Right. I get <laughs> that. I get that.
0: Um, somebody
1: once said, and I, I need to do a video on this just independently, because a lot of folks, politicians and civilians and, just regular folks are like, oh yeah, get you a shotgun if you, if you, maybe you have a... somebody said, oh, my son has depth perception issues. Uh, what kind of gun should I get him? And I'm like, I don't know if you should get a gun if you have depth perception issues. Not to limit anybody's rights, but that's kind of one of those things. If you can't see, it's irresponsible to shoot. That said... They were like, get him a shotgun. And somebody else was like, oh, an uh, old politician said, I, I want to get a, a Taurus judge because, you know, I could shoot through the door and, like, I can't miss. And I'm like, well, it's not so much – you can miss with any gun. But to to be arrogant enough to think like, hey, I'm going to shoot and not miss with a shotgun, and that's important. Like, the my issue with it is that uh, uh, the spread can go past your target. Yeah. so and that that's my biggest issue i don't know if you if you have any other gripes with the uh um, the way people view shotguns but
0: yeah it's it's the the misinformation surrounding them they're incredible uh-huh. weapons right uh-huh. All, they're fight stoppers if you have a threat and that threat gets hit center mass with you know double out buck that threat is yeah. going down right yeah, yeah. yeah. However, there are so many myths, you know, one, if well, I'll just rack the shotgun and the person will run away. No, Okay, please. if they were bold enough to come into your house, one, you don't know how many there are, two, you right. don't know if that's enough, how determined they are, right. you know? So now you also just told them where you are as well. You just gave where your location. So I'm not a fan of that. I think that's, that's from the movies. And then mm-hmm. the idea that you don't need to aim, like you just talked about the spread but in room distances, your spread might only be like this big, like maybe a softball mm-hmm. size. So that means you still need to be able to aim that to a degree. You can't just general exactly. direction. And then, like you said, right. you're responsible for everything that comes out of your gun. So you, can, you don't yeah. want to miss and then goes out the window, hits a neighbor, or maybe you have a family member that's close by or what have you. Well, right. A lot of issues um, with
1: Somebody once said that they recommend if you're going to use a shotgun for home defense, you should use birdshot, which I don't have a problem with people experimenting with different loads. I know that is a little bit softer and in certain situations you're just going to sting somebody. That said, um I almost feel like the people who who just say like, "Oh, we should get a shotgun." They're not actually even taking into account like, okay, the different types of shot, uh, are we going to use slugs because if you go to slugs, there is really no spread. Like we're not talking right. about spread at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, shotguns are cool. I've seen some really tricked out shotguns like um Lucky Gunner, he did a whole video on what kind of shotgun would be good in a cool situation. Well, maybe not a cool situation rather, but, uh, you know, if you needed a shotgun. um, A lot of misinformation about shotguns. Um, You know, just if you're going to get a shotgun, actually do some research, watch a lot of videos because it's uh, a little bit more to it than just point in direction, click, bang, threat, stop. It's not that easy.
0: Right, and the way that these criminals are these days, there's a, a good chance that you might have more than one attacker, Right? Yeah. If you have more than one attacker, that means there may be multiple shots. And mm. I'm not John Wick, or you know, I'm not a, an assassin. I might miss. Right. Mm-hmm. So that means I, in a shotgun, it's really easy to run that drive because you're not going to have a lot of rounds in it. A lot are incredibly hard find to the Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and if you haven't been really, really practicing, it's going to take you a while to reload a shotgun versus. If you have like an AR platform, even if it's a nine millimeter, mm-hmm. maybe you might have 30 rounds on deck. You know, so yeah. I don't know. I I'm not against shotguns. I just feel like if you are going to choose that, you need to know what you're getting into, pattern mm-hmm. your shotgun or for whatever load that you're using so you understand what it's going to do at different distances. And then train, train, train some more. And then when you're done, train some more.
1: Right. Because I've seen some competition guys run run a course using shotgun, and they're pretty good, but they're nowhere near as good as even somebody who's kind of newer with a pistol. Mm -hmm. Just is what it is. Yeah, (laughs) the platforms are different. Um, That said, let's let's get into kind of maybe some more uncomfortable topics. As you maybe have seen, costly conversations. You know, might get us canceled, but (laughs) it's not all (laughs) right. Let's not get canceled. That said, um, obviously, as we discussed earlier, we had some issues, um, huge issues, of uh, um, mass shooters and things like that. Uh, they're talking gun rights. They're talking um, restricting. We're talking executive orders so cops can come in and remove guns from homes. Um, personally, I think that's a bad idea because I I'm not saying I know these guys, but I know of some guys who are like, if you come in my house without an invitation, you're getting blown away, period. I'm like, oh, well, I thought y'all like cops. Can we not put Bam. them in harms away? Like, don't put people in harms away. Um, I know it's it's interesting because I'm actually in a few different groups. Um, and one of the groups that I hang out in is um, they're more liberal and they they own guns. And that's cool. I love talking with them and I love uh, engaging with them just because they, you know, they love guns. And that's, that's the one thing that I think unites everybody from across the political spectrum. You could be uh, uh all right. And you can be like heavy left Antifa, but the, the, the right of being able to, to, to take care of ourselves, that does bring people together in, in 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 a way. Not everybody, obviously, but in a way. Right. Where do you feel like you? I guess land because um, people are going to want to know. It's like, okay, black guy, you got dreadlocks, you like to shoot. Where do you feel like you land politically, and how do you feel about this new legislation coming out?
0: Yeah. Um. So politically, I don't have any political affiliation. Um. Like as far as like Democrat, Republican, in my opinion. Uh, It's just two feathers on the same bird, two heads of the Mm. same snake. Um, Mm -hmm. They're both trying to carry out an agenda and, you know, they just have two different ways of going about it. I don't. You're not wrong. For me, I'm not, you know, if anyone wants to pick a side, that's fine. Just me personally. I don't I don't get into that fight. Um, I feel like it's everyone's natural right to be able to protect themselves the best that they can from someone that's trying to do them harm or someone that's trying to do their family harm. Um, whether that's a gun, a knife, slingshot, a rock, whatever, you know, if someone comes in my house and they want to do, uh, you know, they want to do something to me, I should be able to protect, protect myself uh, with yeah. the best tool available. Um, I'm not All saying right. I should have an atom bomb or anything crazy, but at the same time, you know, I should be able to have a tool that can effectively um, give me a chance. There are no guarantees, yeah. um, but I want a chance to survive that encounter and make sure that the people yeah. I care about also survive.
1: Yeah, that's, I think that's huge. In my personal opinion, there's gotta be some people who are, who claim to be pro-gun or who, who feel that they are, and they do feel like there should be some restrictions. Um, and, uh, that's been coming up a lot in conversation in all the different social media groups that kind of talk about guns is, well, should we create laws to help people, um, or to help society, um, how do you say, uh, not deal with so many mass casualty shootings. Should we do things to, uh, I suppose limit the access, still make it accessible, just kind of limit the access to a point. Um, is there any line that we can, we can say like, Hey, if we do this, maybe that will actually help. But if we do these things, that's not helpful. We should stop talking about that.
0: I don't know. It's so hard to use legislation to stop crazy people. Right. By definition, a criminal is someone who does not follow the law. Right. Yeah. So passing laws to stop people who, by definition, don't follow law doesn't do anything but hurt you and I. Right. Because yeah. mm-hmm. I, I mean, grenades are illegal. Right. People yeah. have grenades. Cocaine is illegal. There's cocaine everywhere. So you're not going to be able to pass a law. Murder is illegal, right? People are doing it. So it's not, I don't know if you can pass a law that's going to stop a crazy person from doing something crazy. You end up just hurting the people that are trying to be good people to the best of their ability and don't mean any ill will towards anyone. That's all you really end up doing. Not to mention a lot of times those laws get used um, a lot more aggressively towards people that look like you and I versus other groups, right? So we end up with a short stick anyway. Um, so I'm not really a fan of, of a lot of these uh, proposed legislation or things that are already on the books.
1: Yeah, it it is. It is really interesting just to kind of see how everything's playing out and to see how how often people are like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Well, that's OK. Or that's the law. And it's like, well, some laws are are birthed out of a place of complete ignorance to to the point where it's like, Yo, like what what are you even doing? Like, what are you talking about? For example, I grew up in a little place called Saint Croix. It's in the Virgin Islands, Um, and beautiful place. But we got guns. Like we got all sorts of guns. Right now, we don't have a gun. Guns for a lack of uh, the government trying to keep guns out. Because basically, if you have a gun, you have to have a license for that gun. If you have ammunition for a caliber that doesn't match your gun, you go into jail. Like you're done. Right. (laughs) And I'm like, yo, what? You know, here it's like no big deal. Like if I maybe saw some 45 on the shelf and I'm like, yo, Ricky might want that. Like I pick it up right away, you know, get something get something from my mom's. Like, it's no big deal. Uh that said, you know, you have the most restrictive gun laws basically in the country in places like um the Virgin Islands, New York, Chicago. Chicago, yeah. And we're talking about over Easter weekend last year, Chicago had how many, uh, uh how many, uh, murders just in one weekend? Like yeah. the gun laws are doing nothing.
0: And yeah, all.
1: y'all can't admit that. When I say y'all, the people who would be okay with passing, there's Democrats right. and Republicans. Let's not talk, talk like they're not kind of in the same boat. There, there are some from each side that would prefer a certain yeah. way. And I'm sure there's a, there's a few Democrats, uh, in office who if they felt like they could get away with not voting for it maybe they they would or they wouldn't but you know they're obligated to vote a
0: certain way because politics yeah i think it's counterproductive because the average criminal doesn't want a gunfight they want a soft target right if the criminal knows that you're armed they're probably less likely to try to do something stupid But in these areas where they know that you're not armed or maybe you're elderly, so they feel like they can do something to you a lot easier. Um, Another reason why women might get attacked in situations that some guys might not because they might Mm -hmm. feel like, okay, she might not be able to protect herself when the truth is there are some women that can fight better than some guys. So that's not always true. True. For the common person, they might say, oh, well, that's an easier target. And that's what criminals want. They don't want... How many videos have you seen where the the quote-unquote good guy starts to shoot and then suddenly, even though they're outnumbered, The criminals go running. Yeah, because they didn't come for a gunfight. They came for the unfair. Mm -hmm. Because they're going to have guns no matter what, whether it's legal or not. So it really just harms the average citizen that's just trying to, you know, mind their business and stay safe.
1: Yeah, it is really frustrating to see, uh, especially because we have you know, the ATF doing what they do and saying what they say. And, you know, they were trying to get rid of shoulder braces last year, which personally actually benefited me when I thought somebody was in my house and I needed to go ahead and clear. Um, I actually had a, a knee injury that kind of made it difficult for me to move about. So I, I went ahead and strapped it up, cleared my house and I, I could sleep. you <laughs> know, I could sleep at night. So All right. uh, that said, ATF is making rules after rules or in- enforcing rules that are completely arcane. Like, listen, a lot of these rules for short barrel rifles, short barrel shotguns, they were designed for kind of a different time. And even still, one thing that I've, I've learned from some uh, affiliates that I have in law enforcement or associates, rather, um, a lot of laws are created and enforced to stop a specific demographic. <laughs> <laughs> in Texas, we had uh, switchblade laws for a long time. Texas, the, the freest state in, in all the United States had laws against what kind of knife you could carry. Oh, wow. Sounds stupid, right? Yeah. That said, why did they do it? Because biker gangs and guys, you know, kind of like criminals, they liked the switchblades. They were kind of drawn to that. So they were like, oh, well, we could pad their count a little bit, you know, catch them with the switchblade because they're, they're not going to comply. They're not going to comply. Right. <laughs> and... Kind of back on that compliance point, neither will a lot of Americans, a whole lot of Americans. There, there'll be some guys who are just like, I don't want the trouble. I got a family. But a lot of folks are going to be like, you know what? I guess I'm taking down my YouTube videos.
0: Right. Yeah. So
1: I, I think uh, if we if we pass legislation that's you know, does more than the bare minimum, we're really going to be putting a lot of law abiding citizens in a bad place. Yeah. Personal opinion.
0: <laughs> yeah. And all they have to do is run the numbers and you'll see the, the, you know, places where they have, well, just gun laws in general, haven't done anything to curb violence. And like you said, the mm-hmm. places that have the most stringent laws are some of the most violent places in the country. Um, but it's an education thing because people don't know anything about firearms. So when they hear a politician who is supposed to have be knowledgeable, right. Right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they use stats that are misleading. And like, oh, even my mother, um, she sat me down maybe a month or so ago and was like, I don't think you should have an AR-15. And I was like, all right, mom, well, you know, well, why not? Because I wanted her to explain why. she could. Well, I just think it's too big. I think it's too powerful. So well, do, you, do you understand that a, an AR-15, the one that I have anyway, is, is basically a 22 caliber. She's moving really fast. What's well, a 22. No, I, I didn't know that. Uh, okay, all right. you know that it's, you know, it, the amount of recoil like you could shoot it right now one handed and it wouldn't knock you over it wouldn't push you down or put this gigantic hole in the target. No, no, I didn't know that. And even though I couldn't change her mind, because she had already had it made up because uh, she was basically mm-hmm. quoting everything the media is saying, um, yeah, and that boxes. These, you know, right, and that these congressmen and women are saying, um, but people are getting their information from them. And it's almost like whoever tells the story first, right? So yeah. those people teach you first, it's just hard to kind of undo that.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. And it I'm not trying to say it's some sort of brainwashing or programming, but it is almost as if how it works. the strategy <laughs> is, if we get out get out to the to the to the world that, "Oh, AR-15 shoots a 50 caliber round." And if you look up 50 caliber round, like that's that's some devastating stuff. What a 50 cal can do to anything, to a brick wall, to a car. That said, personally, I feel like if you can afford it, <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> the criminals criminals aren't using fifty cows. Not not probably ninety nine point nine 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 nine. I could keep going percentage situations.
0: Yeah, and even if you that, look at the numbers, they're not using um, rifles either. It's handguns. The overwhelming majority of crimes are handguns. It's not right. rifles. But rifles get the attention. But it's not rifles.
1: Yeah, I think um, there, there's a little bit as a lot of bit of deception going on and we got to kind of figure out uh a way to i guess get the word out and that that's kind of why we're having this conversation at this point in in the show is we need to have an honest conversation about like what what are the actual issues is there a remedy um one thing that i did want to talk about a little bit is um there were two pretty obviously terrible uh mass casualty shootings that happened in the last two, three weeks at this point. Um, Obviously, before now, it's been about a year since it's kind of made the news. Um, Do you see any remedies for that uh, in regards to um, people who have mental illnesses, people who are obviously deranged, getting a hold of guns, and um, hurting large groups of people who are generally pretty much unarmed?
0: Right. I think that that's part of it as well um they're picking these soft targets
1: Mm -hmm.
0: where they feel like they can indiscriminately shoot up whether it's a school a church supermarket Because again what happens when people with guns show up they either surrender or they kill themselves they don't want a gunfight they want to just slaughter innocent people um so and i'm not saying this is what i want to happen i'm not saying this is what should happen but let's say you had a string of mass shootings right Mm -hmm. the last five and the last five people that went into a supermarket, a bowling alley, a movie theater, what have you, um, to just do harm to random people got instantly shot by one of those people. It was a trend of every time somebody, you know, just Joe Blow's citizen pulled out his or her, whatever they had, and just put that person down before they could do something stupid, right? I'm almost willing to guarantee you would see the number of them start to dwindle as, you know, they would find something else crazy to do. Maybe they would blow themselves up. I don't know. Cause people
1: are going to do crazy things. That's actually something that I I was thinking about. Was it today or yesterday? I was just there. I'm like, man, you know, and in Europe, people, people get kind of tired of the Oh, the knife crime in Europe is crazy. It is though. Like it, it really is. Like, I know people are tired of that, that, that talking point, that argument, but it's the truth. That said, you, you go into these situations where we're like, okay, what if we take all the guns? What if there are literally zero guns on the street? People who are determined, as, um, the other will that I interviewed, um, mentioned, people who are determined will do what they want to do. At one point, it was a big deal to put bombs in places like the Oklahoma City bombing, um, you know, prank, uh, uh, uh not pranks really, but more like, um, False alerts for bomb threats um that was huge for a long 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 time and I'm sure they're still around as you they don't get national attention um because if you give it national attention, people are more likely to want to keep doing it they, they, they're dying for attention um are are we on the same page that i i I personally feel like if we if we found a way to get rid of all the guns, they're going to move on to something else and possibly more destructive even crazier, more gruesome, darker.
0: Yeah, because we're not dealing with the root of the problem. We're dealing with how it manifests. So Mm -hmm. if I'm a crazy person, I want to hurt people. Okay, I grab a gun and I hurt people. But the gun isn't the issue. It's whatever it is that's driving me to want to do crazy. Because if I'm in Europe somewhere where I can't have a gun, like you said, I'm going to grab a knife. If I can't have Mm -hmm. a knife, I'll get a baseball bat. There's always something I can get. People have used their car as weapons, planes as weapons. You can't. When someone wants to do something and they're determined, laws aren't going to matter or even access to something isn't going to matter because there's always something you could use as a weapon.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You, know what you know, we can't sell hammers anymore because people, you know, someone used a hammer to kill someone. Yeah. Where does that it is end?
1: The, I mean, the story of uh, Cain and Abel, they they used stones in that one. It was like, gosh, yeah. It's like, guys, this is not new. We've been doing this for a long time can we stop this false posturing to just pretend like the issue is guns cuz the issue isn't guns the issue is people are evil people are broken they need help yeah we need to get them help yeah. and yeah there's going to be some people who are not crazy in the in the same way that we would normally see like, you know like some shaky kid who is talking to himself you know but i i tend to believe that even um some of the 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 bangers in the black community um, that a lot of them have mental health issues to the point where they they have anger that manifests in crazy ways that needs to be resolved. I mean, you can't kill five or six people in, in 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 a weekend and tell me that you're not that you're good. Like you're not good. Right. Like even even a lot of our soldiers who go overseas and come back who have to do terrible things and witness terrible things, a lot of them aren't good at all. Like, yeah. and not not for a lack of trying because you know a lot of them try to get help but the system in the military kind of makes it difficult for people to get the mental health that they need uh, men- mental health help that they need um it's unfortunate but yeah. kind of back to the point
0: it's trauma we're going and, through a lot of trauma and especially guys not saying women don't experience it, but men typically have these egos right we have mm-hmm. these egos And a lot of times we might even realize that something's just not right, but we're not going to allow ourselves to be vulnerable enough to go ask for help. And especially in the black community, I feel like if you're if you a person of African descent and you have any awareness about what has happened since, you know, a person from Europe came to Africa, right? Mm -hmm. How can you not have some trauma behind that? And most of us, and I'm guilty of this. I haven't done it as of yet. I haven't gone anywhere to try to get that addressed cuz I'm sure it's manifesting in my life in one way or another, right? Yeah. My father was in Vietnam and as a kid, I couldn't go in the room when he was sleeping and just wake him up like hey dad. I did that once and he started to choke me and it wasn't that he was trying to hurt me and as soon as he realized what was happening, yeah. you know, he was so scared. I think it scared him more than it scared me. Yeah. Um but You just can't imagine kind of what that, especially with soldiers, the things that they experience. And like you said, you can't just say, oh, I'm fine now. That's not normal. Those things aren't normal things. So it's like, I feel like there's so much trauma that people have. And most of us, the overwhelming majority of us are not, majority of us are not getting addressed. And then it manifests in different ways for different people. Some people pick up a gun and go to a Walmart and start shooting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think what you what you said is extremely powerful in the sense that there's a lot of us uh, uh, who have been passing on more or less. I'm going to call it a generational curse that since since Africa, since the the beginning of that 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 whole mess. I'm going to call it a mess. It's a huge understatement. Um, and us being here, we've passed down some good. We passed down some really really bad, tough situations. And even just like what you said, you know, your your dad didn't learn how to be uh, uh, a soldier, how to how to how to fight in Vietnam when he was a kid. He he learned that as an adult, and he never dealt with it. He maybe didn't know how to deal with it. Right. So I don't know. I'm 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 open to any and all uh, um, solutions, responses, and even some questions on like how can we. Uh, uh, help mental health issues and in, in the black community specifically, because that's, that's kind of where, where we are. That's, that's right. who, I, who I tend to, who I tend to talk to but to all people really, because at the end of the day, it's not just black folks in America. We, we, we deal with a lot of, a lot of people from all sorts of backgrounds. Um
0: I think we all need a little bit of help. So. Agreed. That's where I'm at. Yeah. I'm, yeah, mental health is something that kind of flies under the radar. And you know, in our communities, it's one of those mm-hmm. things that we don't even have the time. We won't even bring it up. But there's a stigma oh, yeah. that if you go get any kind of counseling, oh, you're, I'm not crazy. I don't need, doesn't mean you're crazy. You know, it doesn't mean you're crazy. Just because you go and talk to someone who was qualified because telling, telling your sister, your brother, even your pastor or whoever, even though those people might mean well and they might give you some advice, they're not trained to deal with that, to help you through those things at mm-hmm. all. They just might be good listeners, but they're not trained for that. There are people that go to school to help you deal with, you know, whatever it is that you've seen. or yeah. maybe something happened to you when you were a child. And it's a lot of things that we've seen uh, even now. Like, say for me, example, I can't even watch like they show police shooting us and killing. I can't watch that anymore. Like, yeah. I feel myself getting anxious. I can literally feel my heart rate start to speed up. You know, I am I can't watch it anymore. Somebody sends me a video of someone like what happens? Oh, he's going to shoot. No, I'm not watching it. I can't see that anymore. I can't watch another one of us, you know, just get senselessly yeah. murdered just because of the way we look. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so those things have an effect on us, not to mention all the media and, and TV shows, everything we watch, everything that we ingest, that's part of yeah. your diet. It's not just your food and what you drink. Yeah. It's what you expose yourself to. It's part of your diet. Yeah. And all those yeah, things have it. impacts on us. That's how I, I feel anyway, personally.
1: No, you're, you're, you're not, you're not wrong. I, I, I generally, I don't cry much. I don't get too emotional often, Um, but I watched a a music video and it was just so visceral and so gripping, just the way the guy put it together and just did everything. And in in the video, there was a a robbery and a girl went to go buy something from the grocery store. Not a grocery store, it was like a gas station store. And there was a robbery, someone got shot. You know, she was about to die. Uh, it was, it was a mess. And I found myself just like feeling, feeling some sort of anxiety, kind of, kind of like feeling my eyes water up. I'm just like, dang, did, did that just happen? Did, did this, what I just let into my eyes, did this have a, like an emotional impact on me? I don't, me who I don't, you know, I don't cry too much. I don't, yeah, you know, I, I don't just the way I grew up. Um, but like you said, another person getting gunned down, another person getting shot, another person doing something seemingly benign really. And just the fear that's in our society of of black folks, the fear of situations where hands disappear. Cause I've, I've done different shows talking about like things that we have to do to stay alive. There's certain things that not just black folks, but. Everybody needs to do to kind of have a smooth operation with the, with the police. But especially if you're conscious of the way that things have kind of been going, um, for a while now, like we have to do certain things. That said, it's really hard to watch and it does, it does have an impact. It does cut, cut away at your kind of like your soul, it feels like. So I respect you for not, uh, not trying to, I guess, let that into, into your eye gate and just mess around with your head, you know?
0: Yeah, I've seen too many. I can. I've reached my limit. I've reached my limit. And oh, I've had people that. like, you don't want to watch it and be angry? I'm like, I'm already angry. And I don't feel anger itself is... Anger that's not directed in a, an appropriate area or funneled or channeled properly is no good to anyone. Just being angry for the sake of being angry, I don't know how that helps anything. Now, if I'm yeah. angry that it motivates me to take positive action, absolutely. But if I'm just angry, just in a state of being angry, that that doesn't help anyway. It can affect the way I'm thinking, for me to think rationally, for me to make decisions. Health-wise, it's going to make you stressed. So I don't. I'm like, no, I don't need to watch it to be angry. I'm already angry. I don't need. Yeah. I don't need an, an additional source of that. Yeah. Uh, I, I do want to touch on. Um, we talked about dry fire and we talked about going to the range. Um, I would like to talk about kind of how to practice because I feel like people don't know how to practice. I feel like yeah, the average person that has a gun will go to the range and they'll put holes in paper, but I don't know that they're actually getting anything from it other than putting holes in paper. Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, and that's kind of the joke. Hey, I'm going to go put some holes in paper.
0: Right. Right. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's more than learning how to shoot a gun or how to handle a firearm, but also learning how to practice. Um, So what I always suggest doing is pick one or two things and then, and that's it, one or two things. And mind you, well, before COVID, (laughs) my training partner and I, we might spend seven hours at the range, literally just shooting again and again, might go through six, 700 rounds, whatever it is, we would just be shooting, right? Um, But we would always pick one or two things and then we would run drills that focus on those one or two things. And again and again, because it takes so many reps just to make an improvement, and then so many reps to make sure that that's how you do it instinctively without thinking. Because there'll be a point where, let's say we're working on grip, right? And I learned how to grip my gun the correct way, right? One of the m- many ways you can do it, right? But I found the way that it works for me and for my gun and my hand size and my strength and all that kind of stuff. And okay, perfect. That feels great. That's amazing. Well, in order for that to be, you know, quote unquote muscle memory, I have to do that again and again and again. I can't just do it a couple of times like, oh, I got it. Because what's going to happen when you're in a rush or when you're in a stressful situation, you're gonna you're gonna revert back to whatever you were doing before.
1: You well, know, you're you're right, and I think personally, I've I've actually gone through some things or been in situations where I go to pick up a gun, and muscle memory says stick your finger out like so, every single time. Yeah. And so when I see people pick up a gun like this, I'm like, what? Because yeah. <laughs> like, my muscle memory is every single time I'm picking a gun up. Fingers yeah. going straight along the slide fingers, every single yep. time. Cause, you know, it's got to, it's got to touch the metal. You know, and so you're right. And that, but that didn't come overnight. And every time I hand a, a, a gun to maybe someone who hasn't been shooting like they should or a new shooter or something like that, and they go to reach it like so, I'm like, yep, that's that, that's that muscle memory. They're not ready. And I understand it's got to be something they build up. They got to, they got to pick up a gun a couple hundred times before
0: yeah.
1: it's, instinctual yeah.
0: yeah there's nothing natural about having your finger like this even if you just relax your hand like it's straight right but when you relax it your hands are going to start to close right mm-hmm. so if you're holding a gun and this finger is straight if you relax it it wants to go on the trigger that, that's mm-hmm. the way it's designed but that is not where it should be unless right. your sights are on target and you've made the conscious decision that you want to fire right. um but it's counterintuitive and you know we'll, when we do our um concealed carry class for the state of delaware um, each student has to shoot 100 rounds and show some level of proficiency and some level of safety, right? We don't expect anyone to be bullseye shooters at that point um, where n- almost nobody would pass. But the most common thing that you see with new shooters is that trigger finger. They don't know when their finger should be on the trigger and when it shouldn't. And mm-hmm. their finger's on the trigger even when they don't realize it. So there'll be people that have their finger on the trigger and I'll say, trigger finger, trigger finger, trigger finger. And I've said it three times and their finger is still on the trigger. Watch trigger finger, trigger finger, trigger finger. They don't even realize they're doing. It. Mm-hmm. So just like you said, every time you just do it again and again, because literally every time you pick up a gun, it's a rep. You're teaching yourself something every time you pick up your gun. You are teaching yourself something, whether it's something good or something dangerous depends on what you're doing. But every time you pick that gun up, it's a rep. Yeah. So even me, like if I'm at the range and I'm just gonna load that first magazine. I load it the way I would if I'm doing an actual reload. I don't just keep it low, just arbitrarily. or just leave it on the bench, put the magazine in. No, that's my rep. I want my rep. And I'm going to load the gun just like I would, you know, if I was loading in a competition or in a self-defense situation or whatever, yeah. where I'm trying to do it quick.
1: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Because obviously people are still going to mess things up that our muscle memory. You know, we're not perfect. Yep. We're not machines. Even machines get stuff wrong. People, people all the time. (laughs) Like shoot, my phone—it was doing something funky the other day. I'm like, man, you would think with as much money as I spent, it would be perfect. But even what you're right. Like even getting that mag in at that at that perfect angle, just trying to make sure you, you know, and being consistent with it—that is that is huge. Yeah, consistency.
0: It takes a lot of practice, which I think one of the issues with. Going to the, this you know, the regular indoor public range where you're basically mm-hmm. in a phone booth, you shoot a target that's not moving, it's not advancing on you, there's no time limit, there's perfect conditions, you're not under any kind of stress. And even in those conditions, mo- the average person still can't put those rounds where they want. They might be mm-hmm. on this huge piece of paper, right? But they're it's not the putting paper. them where they mm-hmm. want, right? And that's under zero stress, under zero time constraint. You know, in a gun- I've never been in a gunfight. I don't want to be in a gunfight. Um, right. What I do know is that if an attacker is trying to do me harm, they're not going to wait. I'm like, oh, hold on, sir. Um, before you start shooting, let me make sure I get my grip. Okay, this is how they told me how to hold it. Hold on. Let me line up. I'm like, hold on, stay still. Let me make sure I have equal height, equal mm-hmm. light. That's not going to happen. You're also not going to be shooting one round and then waiting a few seconds, shooting another round. You're going to be shooting fast. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times these are things that people aren't training for and practicing at yeah. a static range, which is why competition is great, because at some ranges you can't even do that because it's against the against the rules. There's no rapid fire. There's no drawing from a holster. There's obviously no movement because you're in a foam booth.
1: Right.
0: Right. Um, there's no reloading at some of them. Um, so competition is great because you can do all these things. Uh, reloading while you're running at full speed. Shoot targets that are moving. Shoot targets that might not be moving, but you're moving. Um, mm-hmm. Different uh, arrays of targets, meaning you can transition from one target to another. Because in your lane at that static range, you just have that one target straight ahead. You can't shoot and then transition to you know forty five degrees and shoot someone else's target. That would be highly <laughs> that wouldn't that would be frowned upon. Let's put it that way, right?
1: Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, some dear. kind a of competition, which the average competition might cost between twenty to twenty-five dollars, which is the same mm. as your average range, mm. you can go and do all these things. So it's not about going to win per se; um, it's going to give yourself a training opportunity to do things you normally wouldn't get an opportunity to do. Yeah, it's extremely yeah. valuable.
1: So if somebody were like, "Shoot, you know, I've been shooting for a little bit. I think maybe I'd like to give it a shot. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. can I can I try? Like, where do where do people go to? I guess Find out about competitions. Sign up. Do I have to join a club? Like, what? What do you have to do to kind of try?
0: Yeah. So, um, like if you go to practice score, and I think practice score is PR. I don't know how they spell it because they cut the word off. I have to look at it. So it's not practice, and then score. I think they blend. And I can put the. I can send you the the link to that. Yeah, the, I'll, I'll put
1: it in the description. description down below.
0: Yeah. Um, but long story short, you can search wherever you are, wherever you live, and you can search for competitions in your area. And then you can also register on the website. And then when you show up, you will. That's when you give them your money, which is normally 20 to $25. Um, some places you shoot for free your first time when you go um, because really? they're trying to encourage new shooters. to get you to go. Yeah. And in Delaware, they have IPPA uh, first and third Saturday, every first and third Saturday of the month and every Wednesday morning. And it's five dollars to shoot. Wow. Yeah. Um, So normally in in an average competition, you might shoot between eh, maybe one hundred and fifty to two hundred rounds, depending on how complex the sport is. And depending on if you have extra um, Mm -hmm. makeup shots, maybe you miss, and you want to send another round. Um, But the two things that you need to have before you start any kind of competition, one is trigger finger discipline. So if you're one of those people that has their finger on the trigger when it should not be. Wait until you know how to put your finger on the slide or the frame of the gun and not on the trigger until your sights are on target. You've made the decision to fire. Then as soon as you're done firing, the first thing you do is get that finger off. If you understand that and then you understand muzzle awareness, meaning understanding where your muzzle is pointed, even if you aren't looking in that direction, because there's sometimes I might need to run to my right and or run up range in my muzzle. I might have my muzzle literally over my shoulder because there's only the safe direction to have your muzzle. So in competition, they have what's called the 180. So it's a 180 degree line. So if you could imagine most lanes are shaped like a rectangle.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you're standing on one of the short sides of the rectangle, looking down, you know, the long way down the rectangle, right? Your 180 is directly to your right and left. If at any point your muzzle breaks that and starts pointing back behind you, you're disqualified. So you don't yeah, have to necessarily leave, but you want to begin the rest of that day. You don't get your money back. You're done. Come back next time. You know, now, if if you keep doing that, they might ban you. But everyone who was shot competition regularly has been disqualified at one time or another. It happened to me, too. Um, So it will happen if you shoot enough. Um, So don't get too stressed over it. But you don't want to do things that are dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um, So also, as that 180, um, if I take 10 steps forward, I can only shoot everything that's, you know, arms length straight out and in front of me. Right. If I take 10 steps forward, I can't now shoot a target that used to be directly to my right because now it's back behind me, which is past that 180. So you have to be Mm -hmm. aware of kind of where those targets are in relation to that. But if you understand that and when to have your finger on the trigger, start. My first competition, I literally walked from target to target. I shot a target. I walked over here, took my time. I shot that target. I walked over there. It took me all day, but I didn't get disqualified. It gave me a chance to learn the rules. And then slowly but surely, I started speeding up to the point where I can run now but then I didn't it's not about winning it's just getting the opportunity to do things that you normally wouldn't
1: yeah because a a lot of a lot of the guys you know including yourself you know the whole I run a gun (laughs) page you know you're moving you're doing your thing you look good you look good doing (laughs) it and it's like man this guy this guy's a beast I could never go to a competition I'm not saying that because you know I believe in myself, but I imagine that there's some folks out there who are less like, man, shooting competitions, those are for like, like the gun, like geeks, like you gotta be in it. You gotta know your stuff. But you're saying, Hey, as long as you can keep your finger off the trigger, you got a gun to use and you, you can kind of know where you're pointing your gun. You're, you're not willy nilly swinging it around and being loosey goosey crazy with it. you yeah. like, right? is, is that what mo- is that what I'm hearing?
0: Yeah. The only two objectives you have in your first few competitions, don't get disqualified, meaning don't do anything dangerous and mm-hmm. have a good time. And you're going to lose. You're going to get smacked really, really bad. My first competition, I was I, what I thought was a good shooter. I could put my target at 15 yards, no issues, like paper plate, 15 yards all day. Went to my first competition. I didn't get last, but I wasn't far from it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because these are people that they shoot for real, for real. So, like, and, if, and yeah. if you haven't seen that, you might not understand what that means. Cause for me, I'm glad it happened because I thought that I could shoot. But what I realized is that, no, I can, I could shoot when I had all day, you know, mm-hmm. to do that. But in a, if you're talking about someone that's concerned about, you know, self-defense, home defense, anything along those lines, you don't have all day. No. So yeah, it's as, as long as
1: as much time as they give you, and yeah. they're probably not giving you any time.
0: Yeah, and it's an opportunity to shoot under stress. No, yeah. it's not the same stress that if someone's trying to do harm to you. Um, but the way it happens is when you go to a competition, you have what's called squads. So let's say there's mm-hmm. five different courses of fire, right? You have five squads. So squad one will start on the first bay, on bay one, with all those targets. Squad two starts on two, three on three, and so forth, right? When squad one is done with one, they'll move together as a unit and go to bay two. Two goes to three, three to four, four to five, five goes to one, until you've worked your way around and shot all five, right? Mm -hmm. So your squad, when you're shooting, only one person is shooting. The other eight, nine, ten people, and maybe the two scoring people, if there's two of them, they're all watching you. So you're on center stage. So for a lot of people, that alone, right, is enough because nobody wants to look bad, right? So that alone, and then the fact that it's a competition, so there's time and, you know, so there's a, there is some stress, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if you, if you don't, if you're a type of person that doesn't like to be the center of attention. Yeah. Um, there is some level of stress, which is good because learning how to run your gun under stress is an important thing to, to, to know how to do if yeah. self-defense is important to you. If self-defense okay. is important, then that doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. A lot of folks, when they get anxious or scared, you know, their hands will start shaking. It's like, OK, well, what do you do when it's time to pull that trigger and your hands are kind of shaky? Can you yeah. can you get yourself back to zero fast enough to pull the trigger uh, and at least get on target? Yeah.
0: Awesome.
1: Can you think I mean, clearly? is not an option. Right. Yeah. Can,
0: can you problem, problem solve if can, you have a can, malfunction? Can you
1: locate the multiple targets?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Your gun jam, problem something happens right. and all guns can jam. Mm-hmm. Your gun jammed, Do you know how to clear that malfunction? While you're stressed or maybe not thinking as clearly as you normally would, and you're trying to do it quickly, so it, it is extremely valuable. It doesn't? It's not going to get you killed. There's a percentage of people that think, oh, if I shoot competition, um, it's not tactical, so it's going to get me killed. That's not true. You understand what it is. Um, when you're at that static range and you're just shooting one target straight ahead, that's not tactical at all. Um, if I'm in a gunfight, if you and I are facing each other in a hallway or just in a, a parking lot, right? You draw your gun. I draw my gun. I'm not just going to stand there and trade bullets with you. I'm going to be moving the cover. You're probably going to be moving the cover. I mean, you don't see people just literally standing there, you know, like it's a duel waiting for one person to get shot, right? <laughs> the times that I have seen that, people, they all die. It's bad. Dead. It's not going to end well. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like everybody that can learn trigger finger discipline and just learn your 180, there are so there's so much that you can benefit from learning competition. It's not just to for that eye opener, because that static range gives so many people a false sense of 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 what skill that they think they have, because they mm-hmm. can hit a target that's not moving, and they have all day to do it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They think that okay, I'm ready. I go to the range like I did. I was one of those people. <laughs> and now, well, and now, because,
1: I you know, I'm sure if you timed yourself, gave yourself an hour, you know, really? in the down range, it's like okay, yeah, I spent uh, 50 rounds. I was here an hour. It's like well. 50 rounds, you were there an hour. Right. That means you spent how long just, just, just there, aiming it, lining it up, getting it real
0: perfect, getting it pretty. Yeah. And I do it for a point when I, you know, in a gun group and someone posts a a picture of their target. The target might be phenomenal, but Mm -hmm. I always ask, I'm like, oh, great. You know, what distance were you at? One, let's put this in context. And then two, what were your splits? Meaning, what was the time between shots? How fast Mm -hmm. were you shooting? Because if you were at five yards and you're shooting one round every three seconds, you better have all those rounds in a nice little group, right? But now, mm-hmm. if you're at 25 yards and you're shooting one round or three rounds a second, then okay, you know, that's a whole nother ball game, right? It's entirely different. <laughs> yeah. In fact,
1: for most people, I wouldn't even recommend that because that's like
0: way fast.
1: Yeah. That's it.
0: You're just wasting ammo at that point for most people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 And the people, I think just, um, even the words like split, a lot of shooters aren't even going to really know what that means. I didn't know for a while that, right. you know, split means that, that like you said, the, sh- the time between your shots, you know, if you have a one second split and that, you know, your splits do, uh, have context regarding how, how far you're shooting. Like if you're shooting a, um, uh, a hundred rounds with a pistol, I would not a hundred rounds, a hundred yards with a pistol would not recommend that to anybody. <laughs> right. But, right. Say, but say, you did, you, you know, and your, your split was the, you know, one shot per second—that's even kind of fast. Yeah, like,
0: that's um, really fast. That's really fast. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> like you're doing something kind of dangerous. That said, if you said you had a, you know, like a, a three-second split, it's more reasonable,
0: right?
1: You know, for say it was a shorter range, because um, you know somebody's going to hear this and be like, Aaron, what? You know, what are you talking about, bro?" I'm like, I don't know. Though, man, thank you so much for. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and kind of giving everybody some knowledge, talking about competition, giving some of your opinions on some of the stuff that's going on. I very much appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to educate the people, especially talking about the, the, the need for training, the need for uh um letting people get into competition. Uh, Cause really in, I've not seen a huge, uh uh, Community of black folks in the in the competition scene, and uh, I don't no. know if maybe I'm just not seeing it, but
0: no, my brother Quasi and I go man nine times out of ten is him and I are the only people that look like us that are there, yeah. and then sometimes we'll run across another brother, and then sometimes those brothers, they're brothers, but they their mindset is that of someone else that doesn't look like us, and that's yeah. the unfortunate truth. Yeah. yeah, so I'm always encouraged. I'm trying to get more of us out there, man. I, that That is my mission. I, I, yeah, more of us I out mean, there, the
1: better. And nothing wrong with kind of diversifying it a bit, because obviously I think beautiful things can happen in, in the community that we have as in a, in the American community, if the different communities get together and share, you know, uh, I think uh, that's kind of what a potluck is, right? <laughs> <laughs> indeed, you know, indeed. Well, Thank you so much for coming on, coming on Costly Conversations, having a, a great conversation. Thank uh, you. Will, a.k.a. I Run and Gun. Uh, could you just let the people know how they can find you?
0: Yeah, I'm, uh, on Instagram, I'm at I Run and Gun, and the and is spelled out, A-N-D. So letter I, and then run, R-U-N, and A-N-D, and then gun, G-U-N. Uh, YouTube, same thing, I Run and Gun. Uh, Facebook fan page is also um, I Run and Gun. There you go. You can reach me on any of those platforms.
1: There you go. So people can reach out to you, ask you questions about this stuff. We're going Absolutely. to put a link in the description below for how you could maybe get into uh, some of the competitions that are in your area. Yep. And hopefully, hopefully you'll do it just because, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity.
0: Oh, yeah. So, and one more quick thing. That same link can it. also be used to find outdoor ranges where these competitions are held. Because you can get memberships at these ranges where you'll pay a flat fee for the year. And if you shoot regularly, it's going to be a lot cheaper than going to the indoor range. And when you go, there's no time limit. You can literally be there all day. And these ranges will allow you to shoot multiple targets, to run forward and backwards and shoot. And, you know, shoot multiple targets and reload. And one of the ranges I belong to in Delaware, I can literally sit in my car and shoot from my car. Um, So there's a lot of things that you can do at these ranges. Yeah, and you would never be able to pull up to your... Indoor public range in your car and shoot, you know, from the driver's seat or in no, the back No, they, they're calling
1: the cops or <laughs> handling it themselves.
0: Right. Um, so use it to find competitions and also use it to find ranges in your area where you can take your training to another level.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And it just a whole lot of knowledge just happened. Hopefully people can kind of digest it bit by bit. If you do have any questions about maybe some lingo that was used or uh, just – concepts that maybe kind of went over your head and you you do have questions Post it in the comment section below or you can just reach out to Will or myself uh, and we'll we'll talk to you as much as possible obviously Will is the competition guy so maybe reach out to him first hopefully that's all right Will
0: that is perfectly fine
1: yeah Will's a Will's a cool cat perfectly friendly good good guy so I appreciate you man and we'll see you guys on the next one
0: all right y'all be safe